ready now, and welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of The Quinn Spin. I'm your host, The Quinn. I'm back here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, and some other platforms as well, as well as on YouTube. Folks watching, thank you for watching as well. And I'm very excited to be here once again at helping our music evolve right in the heart of Music City, East Nashville, Tennessee. And that was Rebel 9's All I've Become. You heard at the top of the show, that's our opening theme song since the great year of 2014, will be until the end of time. And I have the honor and privilege today of being joined by Mr. Jeremy Young. He is the COO of 3P America. They are a sanitation company serving the Southeast, serving entertainment venues, and a whole host of other businesses all across the southeastern United States, and I'm so excited. Jeremy has also spent a lot of time on the road as a tour manager in artist management, and he has a very interesting journey to tell us about here today. So, Jeremy, first and foremost, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, before we get into any of it, though, I ask every guest of the show three standard questions. You can answer these however you'd like. Who are you? What are your passions? And why on earth would you want to come on the Quinn Spin? Uh, who am I? I'm Jeremy Young. Uh, I live right here in uh, Brentwood, Tennessee, which is right down the road mm-hmm. uh, from us, just a little south of, uh, of Nashville. Uh, born and raised in Cincinnati, uh, as we were talking about, and I was kind of uh, commiserating uh, over my sports teams. Um, <laughs> and uh, my passions are my kids. Uh, really, I, I have, uh, we've adopted, uh, and and the adoption journey is, is part of my our passion as well. We, we adopted both of our kids. Um, our oldest uh, is six years old uh will be seven in august he was born in in um west texas uh in a little tiny town called big spring texas uh and our youngest uh will be four next month and he was born in danville virginia so two very very small towns very different environments and uh and so yeah so my kids and 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 the journey to bring them home to us uh and 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 other people's journeys and just the adoption journey in general has has become a big passion of ours Mm -hmm. and uh and and what was the third one why on earth would you want to come on this show why not exactly yeah why not yeah it's a good time yeah it's a good time we're in this nice studio you know that's right yeah beautiful day here uh you know unseasonably warm here in nashville as we record this yeah well and you know you and i spoke a couple of times over the phone and it's always nice to to meet somebody in person and this was a great opportunity to do that and 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 have a real conversation in a room with uh with real live people and you know as uh everybody is is acutely aware of uh we haven't had a chance to do that a lot yeah last year and so Mm -hmm. feels like a party yeah you got to take those opportunities for actual live in-person interaction wherever you can that's right so that that's what we're doing here safely socially distanced of course always got to throw that out there as well Well, we got to be about 10 or 12 feet apart don't oh we? yeah there's this nice long table that's like right. yeah yeah we're, we're we're doing it right we're doing it right everyone so well thank you for joining yeah Jeremy. thanks for having me mm-hmm. absolutely so excited to have you and so before we get into the present day i want to go back and i want to go from the beginning as far back as you want to go if i can remember that far yeah i mean we'll we'll, we'll give it a <laughs> shot we'll do our best and so you've had an interesting road because before coming to this current station uh as the coo of 3p america you worked in you spent your entire adult life in the entertainment industry everybody always asks you like you know and i don't know if the, uh, this was the next question but how do you, you, know, you get 
how did you get in the music business, right? And there's no, there's no uh, cookie cutter way. There's no right. uh, standard way to get in the music business. You might, you know, you, you might know some people, or uh, you might have uh, been at a show and hung out backstage when you were 13 years old, and um, and just kind of got the bug that way. I, I grew up in Cincinnati, um, but but the short answer of how I got into this thing and and really kind of what jump started it is, I always did want to be in a band, mm-hmm. but I don't have a musical bone in my body, not one. <laughs> I can't restrain guitar i cannot sing a, a note i have none of that and so quickly i realized that if i want to be uh in this industry i'm gonna have to be on the business side and, and so yeah i um it was my junior year in college and uh going to the university of cincinnati and i uh, uh it was a communication major so mm-hmm. kind of give me the uh, you know i i felt like if i if i learned how to adapt to different people's personalities mm-hmm. and, and um you know uh really just knew how to uh, to communicate with people, the path would somewhat carve itself. Yeah. And, uh, and one day, my roommate at the time, who was still one of my best friends, um, had gotten uh, a wind of it. I mean, back then, and we was, you know, 90... 96. I, I, I think maybe email was just coming out. So mm-hmm. not sure how he got wind of it, but there was a company in Cincinnati called SFX Entertainment. They were looking for a marketing intern. Okay. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I interviewed for the position uh, and there I am going to record shops. And this is back when there were record stores. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not even sure if some of these some of your folks probably listen and uh, probably had never even been in a record store because right, uh, yeah. they just don't really exist anymore. But, you know, uh, they used to, that was a big part of the marketing aspect is going to hang, you know, posters where you'd snipe them with the, hey, coming to Bogart's, uh, you know, next Tuesday mm-hmm. or, or what have you. And you'd put it right next to, you know, where the records were sold. And uh, and so I just did that. I was mm-hmm. going from record store to record store in Cincinnati and just kind of, I was a marketing intern. You know, a couple months into that, uh, I'm in my, uh, my senior year in, in, in college and uh, my boss's boss had left. So she then uh, took over the amphitheater and the arena uh, marketing. And I was offered a marketing director position for the club and the theater, two clubs, a 500 cap room and a mm-hmm. 1500 cap room and a theater that was 2300 uh, seats or something and I but I still had three months left and I still had a, my my uh, spring semester in, in college left but it was such a great opportunity mm-hmm. there was no way I was gonna be able to pass this of up. course yeah so I went to uh, my professors at the time and said look everything that everybody's working for here I I got the job, you know, mm-hmm. like I got it. Yeah. So, you know, they they know that I'm still in school, but there's going to be have to sort of be some give and take here right. on how we're going to do this. Cause you know, I can't work full time and I mean, you could, but, uh, you know, I was going to end up you know, working full time mm-hmm. for, for the promoter and, uh, taking whatever it was, 15, 18 credit hours. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I was managing a local band, uh, out of Cincinnati, mm-hmm. a band called Oval Opus. Um, and I managed them for, for three or four years and we had some pretty good success regionally, uh, uh, with them, there were probably a good dozen markets from Florida all the way up to Illinois in the Carolinas mm-hmm. uh, that we were able to do, you know, 800 to 1,000 uh, uh, people. It, it was, you know, it was really in that that college circuit. And so I, I, I had three jobs, basically, two, two jobs in, in school. And uh, I went to the professors and I said, look, I, I don't know how to say this politically, but I, I'm going to have to somewhat mail this in mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, I got the job and, right. you know, I, I can't remember their names, but even if I did, I, I probably would get them to trouble saying that they were all say, they all said the same thing. Like, look, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, try and be here when you can yeah. do as much as you can. Don't just 
skip out on it completely. Yeah. Uh, but you got to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so that's uh, that's kind of how uh, I got into the yeah. business. And I think that's good foresight to have at that point because I think you know, speaking from my own experience, you know, toward the end of college, like it can be hard when you're wrapped up in all your finals and projects and everything, like your senior year of college, to really look with an eye toward the future you know and like what comes after this for you you already have the job lined up and it's just a matter of like okay like I'm going to graduate and then there it is. Like I have it. I already won the game as it were, you know, I already secured what a lot of people are working to secure right now. And, That's right. you know, especially when I graduated into the recession, I graduated in 2010. And so like, if you didn't have a job lined up, like it was, you know, you were getting thrown to the wolves, mm-hmm. you know, and you were going out there and you were just like, you know, you were going to be trying really hard for a long time. Yeah, you had likely. all that debt and no way to pay it back. Exactly. Exactly. But that's good. You know, that's good foresight to have that. Not every college student I think has, you know, like, hey, what what's going to happen beyond May? What's going to happen mm. after we graduate? You know, just to have that opportunity, you know, is such a great start for you, of course, too. So, so from there, where where did you go? Where did your journey take? So, I, I was a marketing director, uh, and I did some stuff at the amphitheater too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically overall, I I was uh, in Cincinnati. I was one of two marketing directors, um, and we did some street festivals. Uh, I, I obviously I was focused on the two clubs and the theaters, and then you know, kind of supported the amphitheater. And, uh, and and did that for uh, I guess from 2000 to 2002, uh, and it was really interesting back then too because uh, I actually the lion's share of that time of oh, my tenure there was with SFX. It was around that time where all of the local promoters were kind of getting acquired and consolidated. Mm-hmm. And so when I first started, we were uh, a Niederlander company. Mm-hmm. Um, Niederlander then was uh, acquired by SFX Entertainment. So then I worked for SFX. Uh, and then um, towards the end of that of my tenure before I left, we were Clear Channel Entertainment, which mm-hmm. is now ultimately Live Nation. Right. Um, and But, you know, you're a 22, 23-year-old guy and you get Every six months or every eight months, you're working for a different company, but <laughs> yeah. in the same office. Nothing mm-hmm. changes except your paychecks are coming from a different company. And yeah. it was hard to wrap your head around, you know, how and why and mm-hmm. what, you know, what. So I just kind of, you know, kept my, my nose to the ground and just did my job and, you know, and, and whatever. Um and then, you know, in around 2001 or two, I realized ultimately I wanted to sit in an artist management position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I had done the promoter thing for a while and I was a marketing director, but I was at every show. And so I saw how the box office worked. It was important to me to keep my ears and eyes open to that stuff just to kind of know how everything worked, uh, whether it was marketing or operations or uh, the box office, like I said, and, um, you know, and everything. Be the talent buyer, I would sit in his office and, mm-hmm. hey, how does an offer look uh, work? You know, how, how do you uh, how do people challenge dates and all of that? Uh, and then ultimately, like I said, I, I, I knew at some point down the line I wanted to be an artist manager. And I was thinking, OK, well, whether it's an artist manager or a restaurant manager or uh, whatever, any kind of management position, you really the only way to really be successful is to know everything, all of the spokes mm-hmm. that make up that that position and right. all the teams that are working mm-hmm. on on whatever and and so you know it was no secret even back then uh in early 2000s the lion's share of the the revenue for artists w- was coming from the road mm-hmm. and so i just told myself i got to get out on the road you yeah. know i got to learn how that's that's made because i had worked as a marketing director 
I had worked um, with so many management companies. Uh, you know, when a show would come in, I'd have a marketing budget. Uh, I put the budget together, uh, but then ultimately we'd have to be proved, approved by by artist management. And, and so I worked with so many artists. I got to know a lot of the artist management, and and I could tell that there weren't a lot of artist managers that had spent actual time on the road. Like it had gone out and just humped it for, mm-hmm. for X amount of time. And, right. and so, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to know how to make money or save money or keep people happy on the road unless you've actually been in the trenches, you mm-hmm. know, believe it or not, there are probably more agents than not that are booking shows for bands mm-hmm. that have never gone out on the road. And they've never been in a van and trailer, never, you know, had to take a cold shower in, in Topeka, Kansas mm-hmm. at a club, uh, you know, or, or any of that. Um, and so I was like, I got to go on the road. I got, I got to see how this whole thing works yeah. so that when I do ultimately sit in an artist management position and I'm starting to quarterback all this, uh, not only do I know how it works, but it, Nobody can come back to me and go, you've never been out there, so I don't want to hear it from you. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so it was kind of a bold move at that point because, you know, I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I was 22, 23 years old. You know, this was, call it 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it was a first job out of college. I was maybe making 30 grand or something. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of money to me. Mm-hmm. And 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 I knew that I would kind of, it would be, I'd have to take a big step back mm-hmm. and it would be somewhat of a risky move to go to the bosses there and go, look, I'm, I'm going to resign because I'm going to go out on the road and I'm not going to go out on the road on a, you know, a, a, a 10 bus, uh, a 10 semi uh, tour. I'm going to go out on the road in my Ford Explorer with uh, an acoustic guitar player and play coffee houses in Aberdeen, South Dakota mm-hmm. at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon and fight the espresso machine. But they, they got it. They, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's what you got to do. Yeah, you'll eventually get to those bus tours, mm-hmm. the, you know, those big arena or, or um, you know, larger scale uh, tours. But it would it behooves you to go out and do those smaller tours mm-hmm. and build yourself so that you know what you're doing by the time you get up there yeah. and you don't fall on your face. And so that's mm-hmm. what I did. I uh, there was an artist. My first artist I ever went out on the road with was an artist uh, uh, out of New York called Ar- uh, named Ari Hest. Um, Ari was a, a Super talented guy, and uh, he was on Columbia just for a, a cup of coffee. But he and I did a lot of stuff with NACA, and I don't know um, mm-hmm. if, if you know NACA oh, yeah. at all. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and you know, I, I haven't sort of kept my radar on that organization in a long time. But back in the day, in the early two thousands, um, a lot of bands kind of got their start because it was although you were playing Aberdeen, South Dakota in a cafeteria at two o'clock on a uh-huh. Tuesday afternoon, you're also getting paid two thousand dollars yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, which is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go to a club on a hard ticket show when you're not known in that market or, or you know, sell a hundred tickets or whatever and, and get paid two thousand yeah. dollars. And so it was really a, um, it was like kind of a paid rehearsal. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because the the artists at that point got to really know how to engage a crowd that wasn't necessarily interested or mm-hmm. listening or, yeah. or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's what we did. We we were out for three months, uh, me and him in my Ford Explorer, a couple acoustic guitars, driving through the dead of winter in the middle of nowhere, playing these gigs, sleeping in 
hotels, uh, sharing hotel rooms. We would have to back my Explorer up to the, the hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we weren't staying in the Ritz either. We're staying in the, you know, the little roadside mot- dives. Motels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the dead of winter, you got to sleep with the window open so that you can hear if somebody's breaking your car uh, car window open. And so, yeah. yeah, it's just like, you know, some unnerving times for sure. But it, it was all like that's, I felt like. Okay, I gotta pay my dues, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for uh, for a couple of months. Uh, he was coming off the road to go make a record for Columbia, and then it was time to figure out what I needed to do next. Yeah. And now there's retainer situations where you can get in with artists that you know you kind of a long term uh, situation. Mm-hmm. But you know, back in that day when I was just getting started, it was like, okay, uh, I know in two weeks this thing's gonna end. What's my next thing? Right. Um, yeah. And at the time, um, and, and so that band Ovalopus I was telling you about mm-hmm. that I managed, we were just getting ready to get to that next level. Um, and I had struck up a friendship with a guy named Jordan Feldstein. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan passed away um, a year and a half ago or so. Great guy, super successful. Jordan, um, he basically found Maroon 5. He went to high school with Maroon 5, uh, managed their career all the way up until um, until he passed away mm-hmm. in December of 18, I think, is yeah. when he passed away. But he and I stu- struck up a friendship way back in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and he and I were putting a plan together. To, he was going to co-manage this band, Ovalopus, mm-hmm. with me. And I remember getting that call at one point, you know, whenever it was, and saying, hey, Jeremy, I cannot do this uh, with you because I have this band. Um, and at the time, they were Kara's Flowers mm-hmm. uh, before Maroon 5. Oh, wow, way back um, in the day. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, I have this band that is really about to break and I just don't think I can focus on Ovalopus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't think anything of it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and so, but, uh, so the Ari Hess tour was, uh, you know, and, and I still kept in touch with Jordan. Mm-hmm. And so I called him up and I said, hey, I'm on the road now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have any work? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, as a matter of fact, if you want to go out and assistant tour manage and run my merch uh, for Maroon 5, they're uh, first to three on um, Matchbox tw- uh, Sugar Ray and Matchbox 20 Tour. And this was in 2003, I right. think. Right. So right before they blew up. Oh, yeah. We were on one bus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember Adam Levine coming into that bus when SoundScan came out one day and said, we sold 6,000 units this week. They were ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward, you know, a couple months or a couple years, 6, 000, they'd sell 6,000 units a day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or an hour. Halftime show at the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> All those yeah. years later. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was songs about Jane had just come out right. uh, again with first to three on Sugar Ray and Matchbox mm-hmm. Twenty, um, and so that's what I did. I went out and I was assistant tour manager for for Maroon Five, and that tour lasted a good probably three or four months, mm-hmm. and then it was time to look for something else. Right. Um, and then you know I don't have to go through all of them, but I basically uh, I, I tour managed uh, a guy named Matt Nathanson mm-hmm. um, for about a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I tour managed uh, the All American Rejects. Mm-hmm. Uh, for about six months, I think it was. I, I did a European run and and uh, a U.S. run with them. When was that? Um, I somewhere like in the uh, 2006 or seven, maybe. Was that when they were on the road with Bon Jovi by chance? No, but I did a Gavin DeGraw. I we opened the Meadowlands. Uh, the new Meadowlands Stadium with uh, when Bon Jovi was the first show in the the, mm-hmm. Meadow, the new Meadowlands Stadium. Yeah. Gavin DeGraw, who I ultimately ended up uh, working with for 13 years, mm-hmm. um, but no, we didn't do uh, Bon Jovi with uh, the Rejects. Okay, yeah, I, I just asked because I remember seeing them open at MSG. I think it was oh, it might it was around that time. 
it might have been 08, actually. It okay. Been a little later. Okay. But, but yeah, and then, I, you know, there was a band called uh, the Gym Class Heroes mm-hmm. yeah. um, that I uh, I didn't necessarily tour manage for them directly, but I um, had a relationship with a, a middle agent out of uh, the Northeast, actually, mm-hmm. uh, called Pretty Polly. And they did a lot of, uh, they were middle agents for a lot of college um, tours and, and, mm-hmm. and um, uh, a lot of colleges around the, the, the Northeast. And there was a um, Verizon Wireless Campus Invasion Tour mm-hmm. that Gym Class Heroes, um, I think OK Robot might have been on that mm-hmm. uh, uh, tour. Um, but I, I basically, they, they had hired me to uh, kind of be that liaison between Verizon and, uh, and the artists. And so, so mm-hmm. I kind of tour managed the entire tour, yeah. uh, not necessarily for 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 the gym class heroes. Ultimately, in uh, in two thousand and five, and there was one other um, act, uh, Toby Lightman. She was on Atlantic for mm-hmm. a little bit, had a little bit of success at, at Hot AC. Uh, ultimately, in two thousand and five, I started tour managing Gavin DeGraw, and uh, and and I tour managed Gavin from two thousand and five uh, to two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. and that was you know kind of an it was very interesting and and. Still to this day, I'm I'm very very close with Gavin. Uh, we're actually two weeks apart in age, and and uh, and you know spent pretty much from 2005 until 2017, which is what you know kind of get to 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 that. But almost our entire adult life at that po- up, up to the, that point. Yeah. Um. And so we're we're still very close. But I started tour managing him in 2005 in February of 05, and in May of 05 he sort of switched management. Um. Kind of brought his parents in the house, mm-hmm. and uh, and so there I am, kind of. You know, by default, uh, you know, the tour manager and mm-hmm. the day to day manager. Yeah. And this was, you know, this was a really good time for Gavin. Mm-hmm. This was a, this, he had a single called I Don't Want to Be. Yep. It was a theme song for One Tree Hill. Uh, mm-hmm. We were doing really well on the road, six to 8,000 people a night doing, you know, boutique sheds and, mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And, and so I was really kind of thrown into the fire and it was sink or swim at that point. Like, yeah. I, I, this was my opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, I was either going to, I was going to make something of it or shit the bed. Right. I, I, well, I don't know if I can cuss, but you uh, can. Yeah. It's did. a wild west. We're uh, on the internet. But I uh, think that's incredible though. You know, like you had, you know, these years of like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Like you're always looking for that next thing as essentially as an entrepreneur, right? The opportunities get bigger and bigger and bigger as you go. And like, you just find yourself rising to this occasion every single time. Yeah. 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 And we did some big, big stuff. And, you know, obviously I, I, I was with Gavin the longest, um, but, uh, but I would say we, we kind of, you know, from the live entertainment and the touring uh, aspect, I mean, you know, whether it was opening for Bon Jovi or spending two months out on the road with the Almond Brothers or I wish I would have actually appreciated it more mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. I can appreciate it now because I can sit on my front porch, have a cup of coffee and mm-hmm. something, you know, I'll be listening to something and go, oh, shit, like... I remember that. that was cool, mm-hmm. but as a tour manager, you're the first one up, the last one to bed. You're in charge of X amount of people and vehicles and 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 money. And uh, I I was just I, I when you're in that moment, I don't appreciate yeah. any of it. When you're in that moment, it's just like okay, one needs to be done. Okay, I did that. What's yeah. next? You yeah. know, you're not. Nec- I was just having this conversation last night. Like as great as it is to you know keep racking up accomplishments and to keep to keep doing the next thing you're always looking for the thing after that you're always looking for okay like this was a success mission complete now what you mm-hmm. know every single day you're well there's just up. so many moving parts on the road yeah. i mean as a tour mm-hmm. manager i mean it'll age you about a year every month yeah. out there um but and it's not that i didn't appreciate it i just didn't have the time mm-hmm. 
to appreciate it. Just because I was yeah. wearing, you're just wearing so many hats. Oh like, yeah. Whether it's you know the money thing or getting people from A to B to to to, to Z ultimately, um, you know, and keeping everybody happy and mm-hmm. uh, there's just so many uh, variables uh, out on the road. You know, especially yeah. as the touring party grows, mm-hmm. that uh, it, it's um. You know, it's just a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, but but I'm I'm I feel very fortunate to have those experiences, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, so ultimately uh, in 2008, I, I had always always told myself that I want to go out on the road for six to eight years mm-hmm. is really kind of where I want. There yeah. are um, and God love them. There are are plenty of folks that go on the road and don't ever come off the road. Mm-hmm. That is their deal, yeah. um, and it's real. You know, and I get it. it mm-hmm. It's hard. To come off the road because you are you make a good living mm-hmm. and you don't have time to spend it. Right, right. So, and you know you're you're making a salary, mm-hmm. but you're making a per diem. The per mm-hmm. diem is supposed to go to you know your food and yeah. and whatever if mm-hmm. you want to have a beverage at the end of the night, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the bigger the tours are, everything's catered mm-hmm. or there's buyouts or so you're you're pocketing that you know so that per diem you know if you're a gambler or whatever mm-hmm. you just pocket all that per diem and then when you, that tour gets to Vegas. <laughs> you got a couple of thousand dollars in per diem that wasn't your salary. Mm-hmm. That's just you know kind of money. extra money. Yeah, and so it's hard to get off the road. It really is. But I always told myself that I wanted six to eight years. I, I wanted to learn how to make money out there. I want to learn how to save money, mm-hmm. and I wanted to learn how to keep people happy and yeah. sane. Those were the three kind of goals that I want because I knew if I came off the road, uh, if I if I learned how to master that, and then I came off the road, then I could sit in a desk mm-hmm. and I could quarterback the tour and I could work with the agent and tell him, Hey, this isn't going to work because this is too long of a drive. I mean, there are plenty of agents don't even know what an overdrive is, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, an overdrive will cost you now they, the the bus companies with the DOT restrictions and stuff, they've changed that a little bit. Uh, but back in the day you used to be able to go and, um, you know, you could drive, I forget what it was. I think it was 450 miles a day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then every couple hundred miles after that was another day's pay. And so the agents are just looking for avails. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, how long will it take you to get there? Oh, yeah. you can you can leave at, at – loadout will be done at midnight. Load-ins at 10 o'clock in the, or 12 o'clock. Oh, your driver could drive 12 hours. Yeah, they could drive 12 hours. But it's also going to cost me three or four times as much as it would if we just kind of did something else, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know if they're not aware of it or they don't care. They just want to book the show or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but, you know, all those different things I, I, I thought that was really important and and I was able to ha- come sit in a desk and actually mm-hmm. know how that whole world worked. And yeah. so in 2008, um, my dad had been getting, uh, you know, he, he was ill, uh, passed away a little bit later, but uh, uh, he was getting ill. And, you know, it was just time I got engaged. And yeah. like, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, it's been six years. Mm-hmm. This kind of seems like the right time. Gavin and I had many of kind of philo- philosophical uh, conversations on how this would look and wh- what would happen next. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and if he was okay with me going. And yeah. I think we were coming off the, it was like a good time because like maybe he was coming off the road for X amount of months to, you know, ro- uh, start a new record mm-hmm. or finish a record or something. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what I did in 2000, in August of 2008. 18, uh, I retired from the road mm-hmm. and became uh, Gavin's um, full-time manager. 
mm-hmm. and you know hired a tour manager yeah. and you know kind of you know just did it from the desk and so at the time when I came off the road uh, I was living in Milwaukee Wisconsin of all mm-hmm. places uh, and the way I, and the reason I got up there is uh, in 2006 this is an interesting so I'm going to backtrack here yeah, but, yeah. but this is an interesting story in 2006 mm-hmm. you know we're kind of right in the middle of you know the whole Gavin thing mm-hmm. and things were going really well and we got an opportunity to do a train tour uh so basically tour the united states on an amtrak train from la to Mm. dc up to milwaukee the tour was sponsored by miller light which Uh is you know their their headquarters up milwaukee Uh, miller park the whole nine Uh, yep Yep. um (laughs) and um it was kind of modeled after and i don't know if you've ever seen this documentary but you as a music person should Mm -hmm. uh there's a documentary from the 70s called the festival express okay uh you gotta watch this thing they they basically took the grateful dead janice joplin the band and some others threw them all on a train mm-hmm. and they toured Canada. Yeah, and they shot it. There's so many interesting things about that fe- that that uh, that documentary. The bands are pretty much incoherent the entire time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just such a uh, interesting thing to be a fly on the wall and actually watch that. So you, I, I would encourage you to watch that. Yeah. But anyways, Miller Lite wanted to recreate that in mm-hmm. 2006, and they called it the Taste Express. Uh-huh. And so we got five Amtrak private Amtrak. Uh, uh, trains mm-hmm. um, and we traveled across the country and what we did was we toured um, we stopped at 11 train stations along the way mm-hmm. 40 or 50 local contest winners would come on to uh-huh. one of the train cars which was a hollowed train car with a little tiny stage a couple speakers on sticks uh-huh. and a piano and Gavin would do three or four acoustic songs mm-hmm. do a little meet and greet those guys would get off the train and we'd roll on wow um, and in eight of those markets we did a little bit of, a little underplay as well in mm-hmm. uh, in a club and anyway, so uh, you know, I'm advancing the, the the whole the whole deal. Uh, prior to us getting on, I was advancing uh, a female uh, that worked for a marketing company who uh-huh. was kind of overseeing the thing. Yeah, and so we met in L.A. and hopped on the train, and mm-hmm. uh, I am now married uh, to this woman. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, we we hopped on the train and traveled across the country, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of got to know each other pretty. Uh, you know, you're on a train car; it's yeah. like this big. No, so, there's really not so, anywhere to go. At no, that point. <laughs> and so it was a uh, it was kind of speed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and and yeah. And so that's how I met my wife. You know. So we got engaged uh, in early 2018. And you know, obviously being on the road it didn't matter where I lived. Right. Uh, it was just you know kind of collecting mail and yeah. a, a, a place to hang my hat when we were off the road. And mm-hmm. so we bought a condo in Milwaukee in uh-huh. April of 2008. And because uh, her office, GMR Marketing at the time was uh, you know the, well they're still their headquarters out of out of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so when I retired from the road and you know. Gavin and I figured out how we were going to do this and what my role was going to be and so on and so forth. I was like, oh, shit, now I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, yeah. which is a beautiful town, by uh-huh. the way, uh, from about May to October. Yeah. The other six months are not so beautiful. Uh, yeah, after that, get uh, out of there, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but But I was like, man, what am I going to do? You can, there's technology. You can, I mean, if anything, last year proved mm-hmm. you can kind of work from wherever. Yeah. Right. And that still held true there. I was in a bit of a vacuum. Can't necessarily take meetings and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of create some of the opportunities as if you were here or L.A. or New York. Right. But it worked. It was mm-hmm. fine. And in 2011, uh, my wife and I uh, sold our place in there uh, in Milwaukee and moved down uh, to Nashville. And, mm-hmm. and so she was able to work for the company. She doesn't work for that company anymore, but uh, for a while she worked for that company here, mm-hmm. um, kind of a satellite office, yeah. uh, if you will. And and we moved down here and, and I managed uh, Gavin all the way up to, uh, there were a good handful of years from like 13 to 17 uh, that I partnered with Vector Management here uh, mm-hmm. on Music Row. Yeah. Um, and 
and uh, I learned a ton. Ken Levitan owns Vector Management, and he was, uh, I mean, he's an integral part of my career because it was a crash course. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, he has had a lot of success for a lot of years. And, and so, yeah, so to, uh, managed Gavin all the way up until 2017. You know, along the way, uh, like I was saying at the top of the, the, the uh, show here, we, um, we adopted two kids, yeah. which was... That's a whole other podcast conversation, um, <laughs> yeah. but it is a—it's not for the faint of heart. That, right. that that process, mm-hmm. it is there are it is a roller coaster to say the least. Oh, and yeah. so we had been through it, and you know now we have two kids at home, and there's a lot of artist managers that do it very well and balance the work life balance and mm-hmm. the kids at home and and this and that. Um, I just got to the point where I knew that I just. It wasn't fair. We had fought like hell to bring these kids home and and give them the home uh, that we wanted to give them. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't present. Right. You know, I just was not present enough. And so it was important to me to kind of, I just couldn't be on call 25 hours a day anymore. It's just even on a a Saturday. And it wasn't just Gavin. I had other clients too. And it was taking Um, its toll. Yeah. And and like I said, Gavin's great. Uh, He and I are like brothers. Um, But, uh, and it doesn't matter if it's him or, any other artist in the world, uh, it's just part of the job. You yeah. have to be on call 25 hours a day or you just won't be doing your job. Yeah. And so I just knew that, you know, on a Saturday, um, I just couldn't separate mm-hmm. and, or a Sunday or, or whatever. There was just no separation. Right. Um, and uh, and so I got an opportunity. I started talking to a company called Caps uh, Payroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caps um, is an employer of record payroll provider uh-huh. specifically for live entertainment, yeah. touring and, and venues mm-hmm. and production companies. Yeah. And so 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 we started talking and, you know, I, I didn't know anything about payroll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, and that's one of the things I always and I, I think it's important to, to sort of bring up for whoever's listening. I always uh, whether it was for every tour management job I got or it was this caps payroll opportunity, mm-hmm. I always felt like. I never really wanted to fake my way through it right? because I didn't want to get caught with my pants down. Yeah. So I always was very honest with mm-hmm. whoever was hiring me, whether right. it was, you know, an artist management that was looking for a tour manager. Mm-hmm. I'd like, look, I am not a production manager. I don't know anything about those consoles. I cannot restring a guitar. Just so you know this. This like, is my skill set. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I can get the thing on the road and off the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can make sure, you know, everything settlements are correct and that people yeah. are happy and mm-hmm. all the logistics and everything yeah. that a tour management does, but I am not a production manager. Yeah. And so when this pay- payroll thing came up, it was an opportunity for me to stay in the business, mm-hmm. work with a lot of the existing relationships, a lot of business managers, festival producers, what have you. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know the payroll business. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I was very honest with the yeah. company. I said, look, I, I, I could crush this, mm-hmm. um, but- from a payroll operations and tax remittances and um, you know all of that, it'll take a bit of a runway. Yeah, um, and I think they appreciated that mm-hmm. uh, because it was no problem. Well, yeah, uh, it, it was no problem. I, and yeah. I think if the willingness to learn is there, you know, that's the most important thing, and people are going to appreciate that. But the honesty, yeah, you don't want to, like you said, you don't want to fake your way through something because eventually that's going to come out in, oh, it, in the wash. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be, it'll be bad. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Yeah, it'll be, be bad for the employer. It'll be bad for the employee. Yeah, it just will be, uh, it just will be an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. Um. And so I, uh, so so I, 
I opened the Nashville office in, mm-hmm. in October of 2017 mm-hmm. uh, for Caps Payroll. Caps parent company is a company called Cast and Crew. They're also an employer of record payroll provider, mm-hmm. but for uh, film, TV, and commercials. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so all your major motion pictures, mm-hmm. um, that company is paying the biggest movie stars to the the indie films, yeah, to the indie films mm-hmm. and the actors and the crew and uh-huh. everybody in between. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, we 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 did really well. We um you know. Uh, October 17, I opened the Nashville office. The company is based in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a Nashville footprint. Um, and uh, and we, were, we, we we did a lot of work, a lot of great work. And, uh, and two and a half years later, March of 2020 mm-hmm. comes. Being in a payroll business where you're paying touring bands mm-hmm. and their crews and festival employees come March of last year, was not the greatest business to be. In. Yeah, no work, there's the no work worst, to do. Actually. Yeah, there's no, nobody was working. Nobody yeah. was able to work. Yeah. Um and so, you know, me and my partner out in Burbank are are are, are you know, kind of wondering how is this whole thing going to play out? If you're listening to me speak right now, there's a good chance that you're a musician, a content creator, some kind of entrepreneur. Whatever the case, that means that you're a business owner and all business owners need to have a system for managing their finances. And I will be the first to tell you that this was absolutely terrifying to me at first. And that was until I spoke with Dan Bobick of MoneyWorks Financial Coaching. MoneyWorks Financial Coaching helps early to mid-career singles and couples organize their finances. Dan works individually with clients like you and me to build a personalized system for effectively managing their finances so that they can live and give with joy and confidence. After I consulted with Dan, I can tell you I was no longer terrified by the money conversation. Dan's approach and demeanor gave me the peace of mind and reassurance I needed to feel like I was in control of my finances and that they were on the right track. My relationship with money has improved exponentially and I now move forward with more confidence in my business and my life. You can schedule a free consultation by going to moneyworkscoaching.com. I guarantee you'll gain confidence and perspective on your finances. And when you do, you can use my coupon code. It is UMC5 at checkout for a 5% discount on MoneyWorks Financial Coaching Services. Again, that is UMC5. Head to moneyworkscoaching.com. And, uh, and so we're chugging along and, you know, of course, our clients as the employer of record uh, and not to get too deep into this, but we actually became uh, the way our model worked is uh, we were kind of a co-employer with the touring entities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an efficiency model from, you know, and it works for project based, you know, uh, um, employees. So like, you know, whether you hire a crew for two months and you never see them again, yeah. or, you know, for a weekend festival and you never see them again or whatever, mm-hmm. but we become a co-employer and, and, and true partner yeah. with, with the entity. And so once this whole thing came, you know, came down, we were instead of selling the model, we were really kind of uh, more of a resource and mm-hmm. support and uh, whether it was running reports or, you know, helping them forecast or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, and then in April of last year is when that first, um, the CARES Act came out, April right. 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, and part of the CARES Act uh, was um, the payroll protection program, mm-hmm. PPP. Quickly, we became a very big resource for our clients because, mm-hmm. as the employer of record, and us, uh, you know, part of the a lot of the application for the PPP loans uh, required obviously payroll 
data, historical mm -hmm. uh, information and reports, and yeah. that was all part of the application. Well, mm -hmm. they didn't have any of that stuff because that was all on us. And so we were, I was probably, you know, the top of April, I was as busy as I'd ever been with the company yeah. because, you know, whether it was running reports or helping them uh, complete the applications or any of that, we, we were right there. And yeah. so I, I thought, okay, maybe we can weather this storm mm -hmm. and, you know, nobody's working and, you know, we're not gonna be able to go out and, and, um, and sell the model, but right. we, we can be you know, uh, be that resource, be that resource. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and for a couple of weeks we were, mm -hmm. uh, and then I got uh, furloughed, yeah. uh, from caps, uh, which I, you know, I get, I, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't the only one. It, it's a little hard to swallow in the fact that, you know, and I'm not, I, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but I had never ever, whether it was a part-time job in high school at the sporting goods store, mm -hmm. Brenda Moore's, it was called, I remember, uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, all the way up to that point, I had never been told, hey, you can't work here anymore. Yeah. It doesn't mean to sound egotistical. It just wasn't something that I knew how to navigate through. And so- And to have that first time be in the middle of a pandemic, you know, that adds the uncertainty, I'm well, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Especially with two kids at home yeah. and like, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so April comes, I'm furloughed and uh, it did a lot of painting around the house you know mm -hmm. the minute i was furloughed uh and my wife's in the entertainment uh, somewhat in the entertainment she's she works for an experiential marketing agency here uh -huh. um uh called g7 uh marketing okay, uh, yeah. who do great work from with with big big clients mm -hmm. uh from automobile industry to the spirits uh industry mm -hmm. and everything in between and th th they're amazing over there um but you know they are they were hammered too i mean they do yeah uh, uh experiential marketing a, a lot of events and festivals mm -hmm. and so They've been able to pivot a bit um, and really stay, you know, kind of impactful. Mm -hmm. uh, but but they took a hit too, and so here, you know, come you can you always save for a rainy day. You yeah. just don't save for a rainy year. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. and so yes, it was very nerve wracking. What are we gonna do, and and so on and so forth. And um, I uh, and did, like I said, I did a lot of painting. Um, and this is one of those things where you can't. We talked about not appreciating at the time. Yeah, I was able to go to the park with my two kids mm -hmm. for whatever it was, two, three, four, yeah. five hours, mm -hmm. not have to look at my phone. There was nothing coming through. Yeah. Um, and yes, it was fun. And I definitely appreciated it then too. But looking back at it, like, you know, there are, there were some blessings last year. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, and From people got down. to do some stuff that yeah. you just normally wouldn't uh, yeah. get to do. But, yeah. um, but anyways, you know, I, I, April, May, June, July, thinking what, what's next? What, what are yeah. we going to do here? Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah. you know, and I wasn't, uh, too proud to go outside of the entertainment industry and, mm -hmm. you know, figure it out. So, I, you know, I was kind of entertaining everything. Uh, in, in August, we actually terminated the relationship between myself and Caps. And, uh -huh. and so then it was like, all right, you know, mm -hmm. it's time to, it's go time. Yeah. So um, find something. My, uh, one of my best friends here, um, he, he lives here. He's also an artist management partner at, uh, at Vector as well. Uh -huh. Still is. Uh, his name is Trey Wilson. Mm -hmm. uh, he and I, even pre-pandemic, uh, had always been looking for something to do outside of artist management together, mm -hmm. but then maybe would supplement the entertainment industry. Right. And his wife um, has had a lot of success. Uh, she's an influencer here mm -hmm. in this market, and, um, and, and she does really, really well. Uh, and we had, you know, just kind of seeing what she was doing and, and following that model, um, nobody was really utilizing the influencer space for mm -hmm. live entertainment. So right. there's always unsold inventory mm -hmm. um, 
whether it's a festival or maybe not necessarily a festival, but a lot of tours have unsold inventory. Uh-huh. Maybe it's 10% of the, ca- the the house. Maybe mm-hmm. it's 20%. Maybe it's 50%. Yeah. But there's tickets that, that just kind of go collect dust and, yeah. and you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so instead of influencers, you know, working with uh, a retail uh, store, or, you know, get, uh, you know, uh, clothing or, mm-hmm. or whatever, why not incorporate them into the live te- live entertainment business and, right. and actually do the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. use their brand, partner but make it authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a rock band or a pop band, you find some, and we weren't trying to find the macro influencers. Right. We we're trying to find the micro influencers, mm-hmm. maybe in Toledo, Ohio, yeah. or uh, Wichita, Kansas. That have that like community stronghold. Yeah. You know, yeah. if it's a rock band, mm-hmm. let's go find, you know, Brian Smith in uh, Akron, Ohio, mm-hmm. who. Uh, maybe doesn't even consider himself an influencer. Right. Maybe he's got three thousand followers, but his engagement rate is huge, and he's known as the gearhead, or mm-hmm. he, or you know whether it's uh, musical gear, or motorcycles, or something. And and find that guy and really put something together and match the band up with that, and, and sell some tickets, mm-hmm. and you know put some campaigns around that. And so yeah. we had really put this business model together. We had talked to the the biggest promoters in the whole world, mm-hmm. and the influencer space, and even on the label side. When I was with Gavin, uh, I remember there was one single in particular. It was called uh, Making Love with the Radio on. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to the label at the time and said, Hey, I want to uh I want to integrate an influencer campaign. And the product manager, uh, who's kind of the marketing head at the labels, mm-hmm. said, well, I have no idea how to do that. You know? <laughs> and so uh and, and but, but and then on the promoter side, on the live entertainment side, no, but there wasn't really it was just kind of herky jerky. It was like, yeah. all right, well, maybe we could throw some money at this influencer. Mm-hmm. And you know, we were told uh, time and time again from from uh, the promoters that yeah some a lot more times than not it was throwing good money at bad it yeah. was like ah we'll see if this works but mm-hmm. it never there was no structure to it there right. was no plan mm-hmm. um, and so Trey and I put this plan together and we there's we we had found a home with a platform that find that that really does a a, a, a social scrape and can find these mm-hmm. these people all across the country and uh, and we were getting very close to launching this thing mm-hmm. and then the pandemic came right so there was no <laughs> there, there, there was a lot of unsold inventory. There was a hundred percent of unsold inventory. There was no inventory, uh, and so uh, Trey and I obviously remain close. We're- you know, really, really close friends. Uh, and we were introduced uh, in August of last year to Jeremy and Christian Millirons, who um, are uh, based in Panama City. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of where the 3P uh, com- yeah. comes in. And yes. so I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not letting you get a word in edgewise. <laughs> I have a lot to say. I'm, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I mean, on the surface, it would seem like a very interesting jump, you know, from spending all this time on the road, managing artists, you know, being like, you know, in that direct contact for all these years to now you're faced with the pandemic and to some it would seem like completely shifting gears to another world to 3p america but there is a lot of tie into the entertainment industry here absolutely so absolutely let's go into that a little bit yeah yeah for sure um so we were introduced to, to these guys who had just started 3P America. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of fast forward a bit, um, Trey and I uh, and, and Jeremy and Christian Millers down there now are um, our partners and um, and make up the ownership yeah. group. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, I, I'm now one of four owners in 3P America. Um, but what, uh, what they were doing down there was very interesting to Trey and I uh, for a number of reasons. Um, but they were actually – 
having a lot of success in the sanitization space in a market in Northwest Florida where, for better or for worse, COVID didn't really exist down there to people. Yeah. It just was like- They never really shut down in Florida. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. They never like truly shut it down. No, no. And, um, you know, and I don't know if it's, you know, kind of a a, a rebelling. I mean, you know, that's a whole other podcast. We could spend spend three, four hours on that alone, I think. But but, but, but regardless, (laughs) they were having a lot of success. Mm -hmm. And so we- um, uh, so we were introduced to them and we started talking to them like, hey, what's different? Why is this working? Um, you know, there's obviously plenty of sanitization companies mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Uh, what is the competition doing? You know, just kind of your normal checklist of sussing this this opportunity yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And um, it turns out Christian had done a lot of work in the medical field yeah. um, uh, uh, in his previous life. Uh-huh. And he knew a of a, um, of a compound that was actually developed several years ago as a medical device. Mm-hmm. Through his research and, 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 and additional certifications and mm-hmm. uh, registrations and all of that, uh, got that particular compound to be um, certified by the EPA on the EPA's end list, which mm-hmm. are all things effective against coronavirus. Right. And so he built this um, the, the the model around it. So Trey and I were very, very interested um, because we felt like, yes, the obvious ones are your brick and mortar, your mm-hmm. bars, your restaurants, uh, what have you. I mean, the way this compound works is it actually bonds to any surface that that is treated with this particular yeah. compound. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically lays down a nanoscopic, four nanometers thick um, bed of nails, if mm-hmm. you will. And so any contagion, yeah, not necessarily just COVID nineteen, but your bacteria and your viruses and mm-hmm. uh, even norovirus, which is one of the hardest viruses to kill. Mm-hmm. It will completely deactivate any harmful pathogen that comes mm-hmm. into contact with a, tr- a surface that we treat. Mm-hmm. Your highest traffic door uh, 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 touch points, your door yeah. handles, your your light switches. But because it was developed. As a medical device, it had mm-hmm. to be all natural. It had to be non-toxic. Right. That was my next okay. thing. All of that being said, it's non-toxic, it's, completely natural, completely safe That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so what that does is it gives us uh, uh, the opportunity and and really and flexibility mm-hmm. to treat so much more than your other sanitization companies that come in. And, you know, they'll do a really good job of spraying as many chemicals as they can mm-hmm. and kill whatever is in that building. Yeah. Uh, but there are a slew of disadvantages. Not The toxins that you're putting in the air. Um, the the invasiveness on having to close your place and not being able to come back in for three or four hours mm-hmm. and yada yada yada. Um, and so when Trey and I were really exploring this, we said, okay, well, yes, we can do the residential and the, the commercial and this and that, and, and we do a lot of that here. But we're in Music City. Mm-hmm. The first people that were put on the bench and the last people to come back are your live entertainment folks and, yeah. and just entertainment in general mm-hmm. uh, in the music business. So how does this sort of thing apply? Uh, and it applies a couple of different ways. Um, a, because it's non-toxic and all mm-hmm. natural, and we've done plenty of this, but even your the most delicate surfaces, the, your sound consoles, mm-hmm. um, backline, the church pews at the Ryman, mm-hmm. uh, all of these things that are about as delicate as they come, yeah. we can actually treat and pro actively protect mm-hmm. um up to 90 days yeah 
Um, and, and so it's, it's really, cause what, you know, the way that COVID spreads and reproduces, it reproduces asexually. And so if one COVID-19, la- you know, if you cough and it lands on that table, mm-hmm. if it's not treated by 3P America, it's just going to start popping up yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, this completely deactivates the virus, which doesn't have, the, it doesn't give it the ability to replicate mm-hmm. and reproduce, right. which was important before. Now it's even more important now with all the different variants. Mm-hmm. We got together with those guys down there, um, and uh, you know you can kind of just feel you get in a room with somebody for two or three days, uh, and you kind of you, you start talking about your goals and and uh, and your strengths as a as a team and mm-hmm. and how you're really going to put this thing together and how you're going to scale and all that. It just felt like it was the right opportunity. You were all moving in the same direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, similar to Caps Payroll, where mm-hmm. you know it kind of was out of the center of the music business. But I was still able to uh, support mm-hmm. the music business. Right. This is kind of the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, our workforce here, uh, here locally, whether it's on the sales side or on the um, the the operation side, it's the labor all folks side, in the industry. It's all uh, yeah, touring folks mm-hmm. and 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 executives from the entertainment industry that were furloughed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ironically, uh, it's so interesting to see. But you know, we do a lot of uh, artist homes and mm-hmm. their buses, and yeah. um, you know, just we touch a lot of the vectors of 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 um, uh, of the entertainment industry yeah. with this particular product with mm-hmm. 3P America. Um, but in in some cases, we've had our our service professionals or the guys that go out and, and, and women that go out and uh, and treat the facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll kind of get into what we use and, and that whole thing. Um, but they've actually treated some of their previous employers' yeah. uh, spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so – you know they were had they had to be furloughed because there was no work, but now they're getting ready. They're 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 ha- given the opportunity to go back, whether it's their home or their rehearsal studio mm-hmm. or um, production facility or whatever, and actually uh, treat those uh, yeah. those particular places. And so they're getting to work together too. Keep those relationships intact, you know, through this time. Yeah, you know, it gives them an opportunity to still be involved in the industry, still make new connections as well. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and it supplements their income and helps get these buses and production facilities and recording studios and venues mm-hmm. back to a place where it's safe to do shows, mm-hmm. which will ultimately help put them back to work too. Right. Um, and so it's it, it, it's been very interesting. Um, it, it's growing uh, at a clip that we probably didn't even, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we hadn't even imagined. Um, we're getting ready to uh, to launch our, our West Coast operation mm-hmm. uh, here in the next uh, month or so, but uh, but yeah, so so um, so here I am in in the sanitization space, uh, but yet again being able to be a resource uh, for the entertainment mm-hmm. industry, and and so yeah, and, and you know, kind of the high level of uh, of three P. I, I know we're kind of here to talk about the music industry and what have you, so you know I don't want to get too nerdy. Well, it's all on connected the, uh, on the, all... Uh, the the sanitization yeah. front, but um, I've been become pretty knowledgeable in all this but uh we basically uh when the pandemic came you know i'm working with a venue now in mississippi mm-hmm. uh that was like yeah we we didn't know what to do we just went on amazon and just bought as many chemicals as we yeah. could and mm-hmm. you know bought a fogger you hear foggers a yeah. lot you hear mm-hmm. uh you know whatever you can buy whatever on amazon we use an electrostatic sprayer um and, and really you know we, we test marketed all of your different uh models and uh and so we feel like we use the top of the line electrostatic mm-hmm. sprayers that 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 has uh that gives us the most efficacy yeah um but but it's really interesting what it does is it actually positively charges i don't know if you know 
know much about electrostatics? No, sprayers. No, no, not not really, not really brushed up on it. Recently. Yeah, no, <laughs> no it, but it's interesting to to, to kind of talk about mm-hmm. um, what these these electrostatic sprayers do. And again, it depends on which one you get. You know, mm-hmm. um, there are some novelties. Yeah online that you can mm-hmm. buy but uh but but if you're using the right one it it positively charges every molecule mm-hmm. of solution that is coming out of that back uh-huh. okay and all of your surfaces and your touch points and everything you're treating are all negatively charged mm-hmm. and so it's finding every one of those spaces and so if you took a like um can you picture what like a, a bug sprayer would look like? It's just like a little tank with like a little uh, wand, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you take one of those and you spray a coffee cup or a balloon mm-hmm. or this chair, yeah. you're only going to get what you're actually aimed at mm-hmm. with that, that particular solution. Right. When you electrostatically spray it, mm-hmm. it's actually going to find every surface. It's going to wrap around every surface. So a coffee cup, I mean, there's there's the, some great examples online. You can see like a balloon where you'll see somebody spray it with a, uh, you know, like kind of the bug sprayer deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll just hit the, the, the front of the balloon. But then but everything else... Is still it still can be can, yeah. can be contaminated yeah, yeah. Uh, but with you when you spray through our backpacks you could spray the front of the balloon and you mm-hmm. you could see the mist just completely wrap itself all the way around it. and so it it does that same thing on couches and chairs yeah and, uh, your sound consoles and mm-hmm. you know your door handles and yeah you know all of that yeah um, I, I think you know it's it's fascinating to see the connection between this and the entertainment industry because as COVID. Knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. As COVID starts to wane here and as we start to get, you know, hopefully to the end of this pandemic and getting everybody back to work, there is still going to be that thought in people's minds. Of no like, doubt. Is this safe? Like people from the get go, I think, have varying levels of comfort even leaving their houses right now, mm-hmm. still a year or more into this pandemic. And that's going to continue, I think, for a couple of years. You know, people's habits. I think it will continue in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll ever go away. Uh-huh. Um, I-, I think that. The trauma every single person in the world mm-hmm. had gone through over the last 12 months. Yeah. I don't think there's a way, you might not think about it as much three years from now. Right. But I don't think there's a way that you can completely eliminate that from your mindset. Right. I, I think that now for the rest of time, because let's be honest, I mean, the floodgates are somewhat open. There's going to be something else now. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can get on a whole conversation about that too. But, um, but I, I think, just kind of in simplest terms, I think the general public is just going to be forever now be conscious of the environments that they put themselves yeah. into. They're yeah. just going to be more aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, whether you want to call it germophobic or, or, or not, there might be some people that just didn't even think about germs before who now probably who maybe washed their hands a couple of times mm-hmm. a day. Uh, or there might be people that we're, you know, somewhat uh, you know, wash our hands a lot, and maybe now it's all every it, it's going to be heightened for everybody. Yeah, I, I really think, and you know, yeah. part of what we do at Three P America is uh, not only do we proactively protect, uh, and, and again, we we don't use chemicals; it's all mm-hmm. non toxic. Yeah, but we but 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 it bonds those surfaces for thirty to ninety days, depending on how much foot traffic and yeah. friction on those surfaces. Those bars on Broadway might need a little more frequently. Yeah, than your smaller. Yeah, and so it's yeah. it's 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 Typically, you know, pre 
prior to the pandemic, when you were in sanitization, you it was really a reactionary process. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a disaster. What do we yeah. do? Okay, we'll come in and we'll just spray spray mm-hmm. a bunch of chemicals and what have you. Yeah. Um, and, and and so, you know, like I said, we take the proactive approach, but um, we like to call it a mechanical kill mm-hmm. versus a chemical kill yeah. because of the way that the, right. the, the compound works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as these states are opening, um, we feel like we get the question all the time, like if COVID goes away tomorrow, the vaccines are there or whatever. Um, does that was going to be the next place yeah, does, I went to. Yeah. Yeah. Does it does, does that sort of negate your business model? And, and we look at as an opportunity right. to even protect more, being able to be a resource and 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 get in there prior because uh, before anything could potentially happen. And again, even if everything goes away, um, the general public is going is not. When you go into a restaurant mm-hmm. and you look to your left or your right and you see might be a kid, mm-hmm. part time kid, whatever, yeah, uh, cleaning the table, mm-hmm. spraying it down in this in a spray bottle with what looks to be like he emptied a bunch of yellow highlighter liquid. <laughs> you're just not, you don't know what's in there. Right. You don't, you're not going to be okay. Some people might be like, whatever, mm-hmm. but more than not, after the year that we had, you're going to go, hmm, what's, I wonder what's in there. I wonder right. what it's doing. Yeah. I wonder what the effects of that are. I wonder if it's really cleaning. Mm-hmm. Is it smoking mirrors? What, what, what is going on? Right. Um, what we do is we actually, so it's called 3P, 3P America, but we have the 3P certification. Mm-hmm. Um, and their 3P stand for purge, prevent, and protect. Mm-hmm. Our purge service is our high intensity UVC lamp. Yeah. Uh, and we use that for, for clients that actually have had active cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll come in right away. We'll lamp the whole place up. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the hospital grade. This is uh, – and then there's a difference between UVC and FAR UVC. Yeah. You can get a lot of FAR UVC wands on Amazon and mm-hmm. what have you. Um, it's pretty obvious. If you can be in the room with that, it's not working the way it should. Yeah. Um, with ours, um, you know, that is kind of the only time in our process that we have to – uh, vacate the premises, mm-hmm. but that will completely eradicate any airborne or surface contaminants. So that's the purge service. Yeah. The prevent service is what, what we've been talking about mm-hmm. a lot. And then our protect service is all of our PPE items. Mm-hmm. But every client is given a certificate, table tents, mm-hmm. QR codes on everything, uh, vinyl stickers. Uh, we customize it to, to whatever the client needs. Yeah. But you're walking into that restaurant or you're that bar or that music venue mm-hmm. or that recording studio, and you're seeing this facility has been 3P certified. Mm-hmm. This is what this facility has done to protect the staff working here and anybody coming in this building. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it has some high-level information on it with a QR code. Uh, and then should somebody want to do a deeper dive, they QR it. Yeah. Uh, and then they can learn there's whatever a they slew want. Yeah. of, it goes to our site. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you could spend you could spend hours if you wanted, you know, learning about the science behind it, mm-hmm. and the certifications, yeah. and, you know, what it's been tested for in the lab and, yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah. Super important because as people start to get back to work, they're going to want that peace of mind. You know, and something like this gives them the chance to have that, you know, because no matter what, like the world's going to reopen and I think it's going to reopen sooner rather than later. Oh, you're seeing seeing, it now? Yeah, you're seeing it in Nashville. Like the percentage restrictions are lifted pretty much like they're allowing more and more people into the into the honky tonks everywhere, you know, so like. There needs to be something because like you said, 
you know, it's not only COVID, but it's the next thing. Like, mm-hmm. how are we going to handle this so we don't have to shut it down for a year again? Mm-hmm. And I think this period of time, after 100 years of no pandemics, has made us all wiser because none of us were alive for the last one. Mm-hmm. Like, at first, none of us knew how to handle this. Everybody was forced to just take a step back and go inward and be like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. We've had a year of this under our belt now. Like, it has completely changed the way we think. It's completely changed our lives. And so a solution, like you have a 3P, is going to help us get back, but also stay on our feet i think going forward oh yeah yeah Yeah. and 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 you know it's um we've had a lot of interest from the music business Mm -hmm. uh and and from the the touring folks in general yeah whether it's your coach your your tour bus companies mm-hmm. uh, your tour and production managers they're all looking for solutions now uh, and how to protect their bubble mm-hmm. uh, because they are going to get back to work yeah um, and uh, and you know like I said we we feel like we have not only the safest and most non-invasive and proactive kind of measures to to to, to fight all this yeah uh, but there's nobody in the space that has the experience and the history in the in the entertainment arena mm-hmm. like my partner Trey and I do. Right. Uh, and so we're able to marry those two together. And people want to work with people that kind of know how to talk their language, how yeah. to speak their language. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know what a load in is. We know mm-hmm. what a load in out, load out is. We know what crew calls and bus calls. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and we just basically fit our model. Mm-hmm. Our sanitization model into their world, yeah. Uh, and unless you actually spent time, you know, again, it's like, yeah, the reason I got into uh, the, the touring to begin with because I wanted uh, to be on the management side, but mm-hmm. I knew that I needed to kind of know that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unless you've actually, you know, been in that world, you know, and and there's plenty of other companies I don't need to name them, but chemical companies, sanitization mm-hmm. company, disaster companies, uh-huh. restoration companies, uh-huh. you know, that have kind of um, had been in this space for a long time. But you know, if you're a recording studio or you're a touring uh, uh, entity or you're mm-hmm. a festival. Um, you know all the touch points. You, you, you know you every know, single want, thing. That you don't you want could... John Smith who, yeah. you know, has has been a bug sprayer and now he's a, uh, a, a, a exterminator and now he's a, you know, he works for a, a, a chemical sanitization company. Mm-hmm. So you don't want him on the road with you, yeah. you know, and, and, what, and one of the other kind of elements that we've incorporated is we... Um, We've developed a strategic partnership with a company uh, out of California called Health Education mm-hmm. Services, um, and uh, they have a certified uh, COVID compliance officer uh, training course. And mm-hmm. so all of our personnel are certified COVID compliance officers as well. And so, um, you know, working on a lot of film and TV stuff where we're planting a dedicated COVID compliance officer on set. So not only are they certifying the set 3P, uh, you know, and, and, and using our prevent service and our service, um, but they're overseeing all of the COVID compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you don't want to certify a COVID compliance officer who has never been on a TV set right. because they're going to go, they're going to be eyes wide open and they're going to want to watch more than they're going to want to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same way with the road. And so we, we feel like we've, we, we have a comprehensive approach that fits really nicely into this world. Mm-hmm. Certainly at the forefront of bringing the entertainment industry and the world back to its feet so we can hopefully sooner rather than later resume this. Jeremy Young of 3P America joining us. I know we're coming up on time. And again, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us here today. Yeah, thank 
Thank sir. you. I, I'm sorry I talk so much. No, no, no. Don't be sorry. You made my job easy. That's <laughs> you, didn't, good. you didn't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. This is this is your show. I'm just here keeping it warm for you. All right, cool. Um, but before we go, I uh, just want to give you a chance to let people know where they can learn more about you, about 3P online. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, with www.3pamerica.com, uh, locally here, uh, uh, you, can, uh, you can call us at 615-219-9985. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, not on TikTok yet. Uh, we're trying to figure out some, some yeah. interesting, you know, yeah. uh, it's it, it's a tough bridge on, for on me the to social cross. media yeah. front. You know, the sanitization. Uh, we're trying to make it as sexy as we can. Yeah, but it's still sanitization, and it's <laughs> still, you know, so it's it's it's. Uh, so we're trying there. to figure out how to how to get our TikTok uh, uh, interesting enough. Just do the dances like everyone else. I mean, I think everybody just posts a TikTok, whatever everyone else is doing. You know, it's like you know, it's one of those ways to just like. Get a bunch of quick and dirty engagement so you can lead them to the other stuff. In my estimation, yeah. I haven't. I've had trouble getting into it, to be honest. You know. Yeah, I, like, I, my kids are into it. That's for sure. Oh yeah, my um, they, niece. They, you know, my, my my wife and and kids will sit there. And they'll crack them up. They'll find, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever uh, certain um, little bits that that are up there. And I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do something. Maybe we'll. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll uh, get a choreographer here in town to uh, to get with my labor and 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 do, do like the sanitation some sort of, dance. Yeah, yeah some sort. Sort of choreographed uh, um, service treatment to uh, the safety dance. That song from the '80s, remember? Like, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, just trying to give you something. All right, go viral. Well, I'll let you write it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. All know? right. Well, hopefully it works. Yeah, but yeah, TikTok's a weird world. I, I, I don't know. I keep saying on the show like. And just in general, like, I think I got off at the social media stop before TikTok because I just don't get it. (laughs) But there's so like, there's obviously a use. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. But, but yeah, so make sure you check out 3P America on all of the socials and make sure you follow the Quinn Spin on all those as well. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, two ends in Quinn, two ends in Spin. You can also go Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, and more. Also learn more about us at undergroundmusiccollective.com. That is our central hub. And you can find all things UMC on the socials. It's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. Follow the UMC 20 playlist on Spotify. Listen to Real Talk with Gerard Longo. That's our other podcast. Check out all the cool stuff we're doing live from the 615. This ending tag has gotten so much longer through the times of COVID as I've added things to keep myself busy. Anyway. Closing theme song, Time, featuring Timothy Miles. Watch Your Back is the title, and it's coming at you right now. Don't gotta watch your back. Don't gotta watch your back. Don't gotta watch your back. No. Don't gotta watch your back.
out here playing so broke. Your kiss to close me down when I'm getting hot in my head. Checking every corner when we're going downtown. I just wanna go in the last hurry, but you know how to hold me back. You know how to slow me down. You say that I'm all you need. You say that I make you proud. You ain't no dozen roses. You are the gold that works from a Moses. We in the river. We gonna roll this. You are my star. I hope you know this. I don't gotta watch your back. 